Do you ever wonder why handling money can feel so complicated and confusing? I mean, it's just math, and let's be honest, pretty simple math. On the surface, it's just spend less than you make. But you don't have to live very long to figure out real world money isn't that simple. Okay, maybe the math is, but if you go deeper than the surface level, there are a lot of things that complicate money. And one of the biggest problems that complicates money is us. Somehow these little pieces of paper, these little numbers on a credit card statement become incredibly emotional. It's like our self-worth and our sense of shame and identity and safety all get wrapped around something as small as money. Why is that? Well, in this video, that's what we wanna talk about. What are the attitudes you and I have about money that are leaving our financial lives feeling confusing, complicated, and tiring? Maybe what you wanted out of this video were some quick and easy tips to increase your cash flow and get out of debt. And later in this video, we're actually going to offer you some practical resources to help with every area of your finances. But the first place we have to start is with us. You see, in this video series, what we've been learning is how to not just treat the presenting problems in our lives because they're simply symptoms of a much deeper issue. What we've been learning to do is to go upstream to the source and learn from Jesus how to do every part of our lives and allow his teachings to transform every problem downstream in our lives. Now, believe it or not, for a poor first century Jewish rabbi, Jesus talked a surprising amount about money and its effects on our lives. And here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe Jesus is right about everything. And even though life and money can be complicated, confusing, and tiring, Jesus offers us a life that is easy, light, and full of rest. No matter who you are or what you believe about God, we believe this life is available to you because no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you. He is for you and only has good in mind for your life, and we want to help you find all God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Nathan, and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. get started by identifying three very typical attitudes about money. And then I want to unpack a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 25 to identify some not so typical attitudes about money. So here's a typical attitude that most of us either believe overtly or unconsciously. More money and more things will make me more happy. If you just watch the way we live or listen to the way we talk or observe the things that we worry about, it's about our pursuit of more. A few more dollars, a few more things, a few more experiences of trying to make a little bit more in order to have more fun. And in the end, we believe it will make for a better life. And yet, if you listen to wisdom from one of the richest people who ever lived, who's been recognized as one of the wisest people who ever lived, a guy named Solomon, as he writes in his memoir called Ecclesiastes, he says, whoever loves money never has enough. No matter how much income you're always gonna think, the answer to your money issue is one word, more. That's Solomon's point. 
Now, if you don't like ancient wisdom from a rich guy whose wisdom has stood for several thousand years, let's listen to a contemporary guy who many of you'll know, actor Jim Carrey, whose net worth is currently reported to be about $180 million. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that's not the answer. But in spite of ancient wisdom and wisdom from the star of Dumb and Dumber, most of us, when we look at how to do money, we always think it's an income problem. I just need more. Here's a second typical attitude when it comes to money. All the church is interested in is my money. And that's why he's talking about this today because community Christian just wants more money. Now, I know some of you are really cynical anytime we talk about money, and honestly, I don't blame you. I'm often embarrassed by much of what goes on in the name of God when it comes to money. So I get why you would be cynical and you probably think this about me as well. But just step back from what you've seen and heard and let's have an honest conversation about this for a minute and let's, let's talk about the truth. The truth is the majority of people who participate in any way a community Christian give little to nothing to this church. And we don't hold barbecues to raise money. We don't raffle stuff to raise money. We don't get people's emails and addresses and send collection agencies to your house. You can be involved at Community Christian and you won't ever get a monthly statement invoicing you for community kids ministry or student ministry or use of the restrooms or free counseling service or help with your marriage or addictions. We don't lock the doors and refuse ministry to you or your kids if you don't pay. The experience most people have at church, it's completely free. Now, honest talk, okay? Try that today when you go to a restaurant or tomorrow at your daycare or when you go to the store. Just go in, enjoy the food, take some clothes, drop off your kids, get some work done on your car, whatever it is, and walk out and see if they aren't really interested in your money. You see, businesses are about money. At Community Christian, we're trying to help everybody learn from Jesus how to do every part of their life. We know life can be complicated, tiring, and hard, but we want to help. Community, it's about meeting needs. Businesses are about money. Businesses are for consumers. So get the best deal you can. The church is for worshipers and those who want to serve God by loving everybody else. If you want to get honest about the whole money thing, we, the church, we exist to do what Jesus did, which is give ourselves away. In fact, over the last year, we've been going through this whole worldwide pandemic. We've given away a quarter of a million dollars to compassion and kingdom causes, to the broken, to the marginalized, to the hungry, to the forgotten. We're not about money. We're about ministry. In 1999, we had about 17,000 Americans die die from overdose or related to alcohol or other drugs. In 2017, we had over 70,000 Americans die from alcohol or other drugs, which is more people than we lost during the Vietnam War. And we consider that a major loss of American lives. This past year in 2020, that number skyrocketed to 93,000 Americans that have lost their life to alcohol or other drugs. In Coweta County alone, during COVID, alcohol sales increased 60%. And our overdose rates here in Coweta County have increased upward of 20% in the last 12 months. So there's a sense of urgency, right? 
our whole sort of what we do here is based on what is not available in our community. Um, our average number monthly are is around 1500 people a month. Um, and we really want to be a resource and an organization that fills in gaps in our system and our services, providing linkage to additional support services in our community and just be a, a service that fills in the gaps because there's a lot of gaps in our system around substance use and or mental illness. We have 22 support group, group meetings a week at this facility. 22. And some of those are 12-step anonymous programs and some of those are non-12-step programs. So we also believe in multiple pathways to recovery. We have family support groups. We have uh, a community member uh, forum support groups where community members can show up and ask questions. We uh, have a lot of opportunities for community members to be involved, be it people in recovery or just interested allies. Um, so we have that component, but we also have the component in our county jail where we are establishing a relationship with people in that setting, which means that they're going to be more likely to come and see us when they're released. So we have a lot of people coming to us from the county jail that are needing housing options, maybe food, maybe clothing. We also have uh, resume building, budgeting. We also have uh, linkage to employment, career and education opportunities. So all of those like sustainable things, that's the empowerment piece is that, you know, we can walk you through those processes and we have these services available because of the shame and the stigma associated with this. It doesn't have the advocacy in our public health care and our community for people a lot of people that may have misconceptions around addiction and or recovery is that um, maybe those people just aren't worth it, you know? And so the ability to put a, a positive face and a voice on recovery is also going to leverage partnerships and relationships for people in our community to care about this population. And then to also equip those individuals on, on the knowledge and resources and what they can do to contribute to the solution because there is a solution and the more unified we get and the more educated we become as a community on this topic the more we'll realize that we can do something about it versus sitting back and just sort of pointing the finger at the problem and that and you know as well as i do that doesn't really change a whole lot so the possibilities are endless we've been an organization we had our first meeting planning meeting for our organization in January 2016 in the business office at Community Christian Church with 10 volunteers. Um, and it has grown into something that uh, we never thought would happen. We're about impact. We're about changing lives. And if you're skeptical about that, I'd challenge you just to stick it out through this entire series and ask yourself when it's over, whether or not people's lives would be better if they moved in the direction of Jesus teaching on this subject, or they'd be worse if they did what he said. Now, here's typical attitude number three, and we've all said this at one time or another. Hey, it's my money, and I can do whatever I want with it. And, and that's what most of us think. And Jesus lived in a culture that felt the same way. But in Matthew 25, he tells a story to explain how we should view our stuff, our money, and our lives. He teaches that there's a kingdom attitude that we must possess if we're ever gonna have any kind of financial freedom. So 
He's teaching about life and what it's like in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, this is what it's like. The kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And so the story begins with this owner of this large estate taking a long trip, and he entrusted his wealth to them. Notice that, he entrusted his wealth to them. So who owned the wealth? Not a trick question. It was the owner, not the servants. Now, each one of these bags of gold would have been equivalently worth about $30,000 for a bag. So one guy gets like $150,000, another gets $60,000, and another gets $30,000. And the owner says, take care of my stuff while I'm gone. I want you to invest it. I want you to try and get a return on it. I'm entrusting my wealth to you. Now in this parable, Jesus is teaching us some kingdom attitudes about wealth that push against our conventional attitudes about money and stuff. Here's the number one, I am not the owner. Another way to get at it directly is to say, it's not my money, I'm just a manager of God's money. I believe that principle is pretty clear, not only in this parable, but throughout Jesus' teachings. Uh, but we not only have our culture at work against this idea, we have our own minds and souls that battle this, and we have an enemy that encourages us to oppose it. In fact, you can see our opposition to this really early in life. What is one word that no parent has ever taught a child, but every child learns really early? If you know it, say it out loud with me. It's mine. That's mine. It's my toy, my room, my food, my stuff. One day, I went up to my nine-year-old daughter's room to talk to her, and she had a new sign on the door that read, no parents allowed. So I knocked on the door and she said, what's the PAX code? And I chuckled at her little game. I don't know the passcode, I said. And she said, well, then I guess you can't come in my room. And I said, well, how about the passcode be, daddy pays the mortgage? And she said, because she didn't know what a mortgage is, but I think she got the message. It's not her room. Now, I gave her that room and I expect her to manage it responsibly, but don't get it twisted. It's not her room. And were these three guys in Jesus' story with the three bags of gold the owners of the money? No, they were managers. They were managing the owner's stuff. And a good manager takes their cue from the owner. A good manager says, thanks for trusting me with some of your stuff. What do you want me to do with your stuff? The underlying point Jesus is trying to make in this story is that the owner, we can probably all figure this out by now, he represents God, and God has put on loan to you and me a certain amount of resources, a certain amount of stuff, a certain amount of money, a certain amount of property, but God is the owner. You and I are just managers. Now, I know this sounds crazy. It's not a typical attitude, because if you walked up to the average person and you asked them who owns everything in your bank account, they looked at you pretty stupid and say, duh, of course, me. But all through the Bible, just the opposite is true. For instance, Psalm 24 verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And some of you were thinking, well, that's a nice verse, but come on, I'm doing the work. So sure, that's a great flowery concept that God owns it all and I'm just the manager, but I'm the one earning. 
I'm the one making it happen. So I think I should be able to do whatever I want with it. It's almost like God knew we would think that because in another section of the scriptures, he says, if you start thinking to yourselves, I did this all by myself, I'm rich, it's all mine, well, think again. Remember that God, your God, gave you the strength to produce all this wealth. Here's what God would tell every one of us, and I know it's not normal, so you have to let it sink in. The brain you have that gives you the skills you have and the strength you have to earn any of the money you have, that all came from God. The moment you think it's yours and it came from you and you control it, or even worse, you say, that's mine, you're wrong. And then God says, fine to your mind. Let's see how well you do without what I have provided you. So I know this may feel silly, but sometimes we have to do stuff to combat the ideas that we so easily believe that are just wrong. So I'm gonna ask you to say something with me here. Here it is, get ready. I was born buck naked. <laughs> I know, but understand, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. All right, say it with me. I was born buck naked. Doesn't that feel good to say a little bit? I will die empty handed. In between, I manage God's stuff. Now that's the truth about money, about stuff, about bodies, about our kids. I was born buck naked, I'll die empty handed. In between, I manage God's stuff. When, when you let that idea get in your life, I mean really get in your life, you realize that every money decision is really a spiritual decision because we're just managers of somebody else's stuff. Now here's a second very kingdom attitude. I am responsible to advance the owner's goals, not my own. Back to Jesus' story. Once the owner left, what would these managers do with the bags of gold that were entrusted to them? Well, Jesus says, verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold, he gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. So the first two, they stepped up and they accepted the challenge. Put the owner's resources to work to advance the owner's goals. But the third, he just played it safe. He was tight-fisted and he just dug a hole and he hid the master's money in the ground. What about you? Have you put some of the owner's resources like that you have in your bank account, in your wallet, in your investments that you received an inheritance into play to advance the owner's interest and causes in the world? 41 years ago this past May, Becky and I got married and from the very beginning, we decided we would not do what was normal with regard to money and stuff. To put it the way one financial guru puts it, we decided we wanted to do what few people do in order to have what few people have financially, which is financial peace. For instance, we decided early in our marriage that we would do the money the way God talks about in the Bible. We would give first at least 10% the very first thing, and then we'd save, and then we'd live on the rest. We lived that way when we made a little money and when we made more. And we've made some mistakes. I made the mistake of choosing to put the first sound system to this church when we started it on our my own credit card. 
It was the first thing that we had ever bought together on credit. But once I tasted that credit candy, it, it took me a bit to give it up. But even during that time, we gave first, we saved, and then we lived on the rest. Now I've taught this system to my three sons and I've taught it to others now for 30 years. And I get that some people don't like math, so I'm gonna show you a really slow and really simple. Here are 10 $1 bills. And this is the system. Every time we get 10 of these, the first thing we do is we give one or more to God. The second thing we do is we save one or more of these for ourselves and we invest. And the third thing we do is we live on the rest. Now, I know that might have gone by some of you, so let me just do that again. Every time we get 10 of these, the first thing we do is we give one. You give one or more to God if you want. The second one we do is we save one or more of these for ourselves. And the third thing we do is we get wild and crazy with the rest of these, like a weekend in Columbus. Now, I know there are probably better, more sophisticated ways of talking to you about money, but I'm just telling you, as long as we've done these three things for over 41 years in our marriage, we've been okay. And we've never been close to the edge of financial calamity, and more importantly, we've been free. Free to lovingly give to people, free to support causes we care about, free from the worries that put pressure on relationships. We're free. So one more time, in case you didn't get it, every time you get 10 of these, we give, then we save, then we live on the rest. This is a system that I've taught for decades. And I've literally seen it transform thousands of lives. But the truth of the matter is, some of you, many of you, you're in circumstances right now where you don't know where to start. You don't know like where to begin to put God-honoring financial plans into place to advance the owner's goal. Because many of you, you haven't practiced some of these principles and you didn't grow up in an environment, in a family that taught you good financial principles. Or some of you, you've just been hammered by some unexpected or catastrophic kind of circumstances in your life and you don't know how to climb out. Well, let me show you how we can help. One of the most painful struggles when it comes to money trouble is the amount of shame and isolation that comes along with it. Even though nearly all of us have made bad financial decisions at some point in our lives, some we don't talk about a lot, and so we can quickly begin to believe we're the only ones struggling, and we feel immense amounts of shame that we can't seem to just get it right, and shame and isolation, they never lead to positive changes. So here at Community Christian, we want to help you take a step not only towards financial peace and freedom, but also towards freedom from shame and isolation. That's why we're offering a course called Rock Solid Finances. This course will offer incredibly practical steps for you to take to eliminate debt, create a plan for the future, and enter into a shame-free, worry-free life in your finances. And you don't have to do it on your own. If you reach out to us right now by texting money to the number on screen, we will get you paired up with someone who can go through this course with you. Not only will you learn some practical help for your finances, but you'll be able to share your struggles and burdens with someone who can relate. 
So make sure you reach out to us by texting the word money to the number on screen, and we'll help you take your next step toward freedom from debt and from shame. Now let me show you how Jesus concluded this story, and then I'm gonna give you one final kingdom attitude, okay? The owner goes off on his trip and has a good time. One day he returns to see these managers and what they've done with this stuff. Verse 19, Jesus says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, there's a day where we're gonna to have to give an account to God. Uh, the first two reported, and they had doubled the owner's investment. They had been really serious about advancing the goals of the owner because they understood that they weren't owners, they were just managers. And so he brought in these guys and we read about them. They doubled the five bags of gold and got 10, the two bags of gold, they got four bags of gold. And then he said to them, verse 21, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. You can be trusted with more. Come share your master's happiness. Now, here's the final kingdom attitude today. I demonstrate who the owner is by putting him first. Now, think about this. There are really only five things you can do with your money. You can spend it, and we're generally really good at that one. We don't need a lot of coaching on that. You can pay debt with it. We don't like to do that, but we do. You can pay your taxes. It's our responsibilities as citizens to pay our taxes. You can save it if there's anything left over, and we do that, and you can be generous. We say you can give some away. Now, not only are those five things that you can do with money, but typically, if we're honest, this is the exact order of money priorities in our life. First thing we do is we get some money, and we spend too much of it, so we have to pay debt on things we've already spent money on, and then we pay taxes, and then we maybe we have a little left over to save. And if anything's left over, we might give a little bit away. Or to look at it another way, my money, my priorities are me, 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 America, then God, somebody else other than me. Now I know most of you, you aren't intentionally telling God you're gonna be last, but if we're completely honest with ourselves, he is. Jesus would say, you just need to reverse that order of financial management. It just needs to be the opposite when it comes to managing the owner's resources. First, we give to God. We put him first. Then we save and pay ourselves. Then we pay our taxes. Then we pay our debt. And then we go wild and crazy and spend the rest. That's the owner's priorities. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, Honor the Lord with the first fruits of your crops. The idea is give back to God in such a way that says, God, you are first in my life. God, everything I have comes from you. So I honor you first. This is a kingdom journey. And it starts with us getting the idea that it all belongs to God. Now, I wanna end this a little differently. I really want to try to drive that idea home as well as I could. And I saw a preacher named Gene Apple do this, and I thought it's just a great way to make this applicable to you. So if in the last couple of weeks you let us know that you were part of our online service and we have your address because you sent it to us, 
I sent you an envelope this week and it came in the mail and I hope you got it. And it said, do not open this until Ed tells you to open it. So I'm now telling you, open it. In every envelope, look what you got. There's a $1 bill. You're welcome. But I wanna be really clear about this. That money you have, it's not the church's money. That is my money. And there's no joke here. I'm not getting reimbursed on this or anything like this. I went to my bank the other day. I withdrew enough $1 bills for everybody to have one today. Now, here's what I'm asking you to do with this money. I want you to carry it with you all week long. And here's the reason I want you to do that. I want you to feel the tension of knowing you're carrying somebody else's money. Some of you want to send it back to me. You're going to say, okay, I get the point. You don't have to let me have any of your money. But I'm not, I don't want to take it back. You, you, and you can't give it to the church. It's my money. I'll tell you what I want you to do next week when you show up, okay? Well, I want you to carry it this week. And I want you to bring it back with you next week. Just keep it for this week and then come back next week, bring it with you. All of it. God only asks you for 10%. I want 100% of my money back next week, okay? Don't bring me a dime. I want this to be a tangible reminder, even when you don't see it, that everything you have belongs to God. You're just a manager. Money in your wallet, it's his. Money in your saving, his. Your house, your car, clothes on your back, they are all his. And we all need to feel the tension of carrying God's money. It's not like just 10% belongs to him. It all belongs to him. And he trusts us to advance his goals, not our own, to demonstrate that he's the owner by honoring the owner first with the first portion of our income. That's what he asks. So every time you pull up your bank account online, you just need to feel the tension. You're looking at God's money. You're managing God's money. And how you manage it, it's a spiritual issue. It's, it's not mine to do with whatever I want. So listen, if there's any part of your life where God's not number one, then just be clear. You're saying, hey, I got this. God, I don't need you. Hey, God, stay in your lane. To be a follower of Jesus says, I'm bringing all of me. I surrender all. It's not my life, it's yours. So maybe for you, there's an area in your life that you've not surrendered to God. And it might not be this area. Maybe you've surrendered 19 out of 20 areas in your life to God. But then maybe there's one area they haven't yet. And today's the day where you could say, God, it's all yours. And we want to help you take a step towards surrendering that area today. Throughout this video, you felt a pull toward taking some kind of step. Maybe you're not even sure what it is. I believe that pull has been the voice of God drawing you toward freedom. Well, we wanna help you take that next step toward the new life and freedom that God has available for you. All you have to do is text the words, next step to the number on screen. And someone from our team, they'll be in contact with you. Because this video could just be another piece of content you consume like every other financial help video you've seen before. But for it to be more meaningful than that, 
it needs to be a doorway into a community you can be committed to. Because the life of freedom that Jesus wants to give you is not one of isolation. It's one where you belong to a new family, where you can learn to thrive in every area of your life. And we want to be that community for you. So simply text next steps to the number you see on screen and take a step today. But no matter what you choose to do, I hope you leave knowing no matter who you are, and what mistakes you made with money or in life, I believe God is for you because no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you.